Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Are you there with me today? All right. Yes, last week we had a little trouble getting started here, so let's start off strong today. Good morning. Good morning. That's good. No, I know you're there. You're with me. Uh, my name is Shad Wickstrom. I'm the lead pastor here at Pursuit Church. Uh, if you're a guest with us today, we'd like to welcome you. We're glad that you're here with us. Um, if you're watching online, we know most people check us out online before they actually show up here in person, but we hope to see you really soon. Again, we've got plenty of room, and uh, we're staying spread out and uh, masking and, and doing all the things we know to do to stay safe uh, that have been recommended to us. So we'd love to see you here in person with us. We're going to continue to meet in person. Are you guys okay with that? We meet, meet in person through... Through this season? Okay, good, because we're going to. Just want you to know that. We're going to keep meeting in person and uh, trust God to guide us and give us wisdom as we do that. Uh, as Jan said, we are in a focus we call Advent. Advent is all about hope. Yes, real hope, not fantasy, not dreams and, and things that are in the imagination. Real hope. The word Advent means coming or arrival. And the season is traditionally a time for us to expect, to wait, to be anticipating and longing for something. And we know as followers of Jesus Christ that it's rooted in a true thing, in something that really happened and is going to happen. And that's why we don't conjure this up. It's rooted in us. It's given to us by God. So for the next four weeks, we're going to be exploring the attributes of Christ revealed in his birth and the Christmas season. We're looking at hope and peace and joy and love. And on Christmas Eve, we're going to celebrate the arrival of Jesus Christ. And today we're going to begin discovering the hope of Christmas, even when we're surrounded by profound uncertainty in life. So let me ask you a question. Where were you when? It's a question that is asked of every generation, right? There's a where were you when for almost every generation that's ever lived. It's usually associated with some sort of cultural seismic event that has gripped the entire world or a, a large section of the world. Where were you when Neil Armstrong landed on the moon? Where were you when you heard about JFK or Martin Luther King Jr. being shot? Where were you when you heard about Columbine here locally? Where were you when you heard about 9-11? I'm sure that as we get closer to our time frame, right, those moments start to flood our mind where we were in that moment. Some of those examples I gave predate many of us, but we all have a new one we can share, right? Where were you when you began to realize this COVID thing is real and it's coming at us? We all have that now that we share. But it's moments like these that change us and there's no going back. It, it shifts our cultural understanding. And our lives are never the same. And unfortunately, many of these events tend to be catastrophic and tragic events. They strike with no warning and they introduce us to a, a new sense of uncertainty in our lives. I know I can tell you exactly where I was when a moment like this hit in my life. 
uh, March 22nd at 1136 a.m., 2008. March 22nd? Is that right? May 22nd. I knew something didn't sound right. May 22nd at 1136 a.m., 2008. I was in my basement bathroom with a husband and wife huddling down, waiting for a tornado to rip through the rest of our home. And it's imprinted in my mind, except for the date part, that May, May, March thing. The rest of it's imprinted in me. I remember that. For all of us, we are going to be remembering 2020. And I don't know about you, but the New Year's of 2020 saying goodbye to it is going to be a very welcome January 1st, right? Can we all, can we say yes, let's say goodbye to 2020, right? But yet there are some things that can be learned in that, and we don't want to quickly leave it behind. One of the popular things that, that, has been happening during the season, which really drives this idea of uncertainty and hope to, to, to a real point for me, is in the series Alone. Has anybody watched? It's the popular thing to watch while you're in isolation, Alone. Anybody watched it? Anybody watching it now? If you haven't been watching it, you need to watch it. It's very poignant, but it's a show about um, taking 10 to 12 people, putting them on a remote, deserted area with limited resources and seeing who can stay the longest living off the land. And the winner gets $500,000, the one that stays the longest. But just imagine this. You're in a place all alone trying to survive off the land, and you have no idea. We're talking months. Whoever stays the longest, they have no idea how long it's going to be. And as you watch the contestants throughout their time in isolation on the show, every single one of them, you see the uncertainty coming out. They don't know how long they're going to be there. They don't know how many days they're going to have to be there to win the show. And inevitably, they reach a point where they lose hope from either an injury or a lack of food source, or they get sick or some other unforeseen, unknowable circumstance that happens. And their uncertainty about whatever that might be Whatever factor it is, is resolved by one push of a satellite button to say, come and get me, I'm done. (laughs) Now, many of us wish in 2020 we had that satellite phone, right? And we say, come and get me, Jesus, I'm done. That's probably a lot of us are feeling that in different ways and at different times. But you see the moment they lose hope, and you can see it in their faces and hear it so clearly in their voices. And I believe it's kind of a microcosm of our experience in this light, but my, in this life. But my friends, Advent. Advent is a time for us to refocus our attention on why we're here, why we're here on planet Earth. It's an extension of Christmas. It's a season that links us past, present, and future. And it offers us that opportunity to connect with those that have gone before us, the ancients who are longing for a Messiah. Advent looks back in celebration at the hope fulfilled in Jesus coming and his promised return. We are filled with hopeful anticipation that it could be any moment that Jesus says, enough is enough, and he returns. And Advent allows us that moment for a season to focus on those things instead of what's going on in the world. And we wait as we remember what he's done and what he promises to do. But as too often happens, Christmas gets busy, right? How often 
Do we get sucked into the present shopping and the hustle and bustle of, of the season and, and we forget about what it really means? But this opportunity for us is, is a moment to just be focused on what really matters, setting everything else aside, and it's a time to prepare our hearts and help us focus on a story that's greater than our own story. It's a story that God is writing, a story of redeeming love for the world, and it's not just a season of pretending and, and being rooted in a false hope. It's a season for us to dig deep into the reality of what it means that God sent his son into this world. So wherever you are on your level of anxiety about 2020 and the uncertainty, wherever you are in your own spiritual journey, I invite you to join us in the next few weeks in a season of focusing on what true hope is and what we find a real reason for the season. We've begin, been given this opportunity, even I think in this pandemic year, and maybe especially because of it, to focus on true hope. So the main idea of the message today is this. Hope can be found in uncertain times as we remember promises fulfilled and promises made. Let me say that one more time. The main idea of the message today is this. Hope can be found in uncertain times as we remember promises fulfilled and promises made. Let's pray as we now dig into God's word. Father, I pray that you would help us now to focus our attention to your truth. We know that your word does not return void. So as we settle our hearts in this moment, as we surrender to this moment, asking you to awaken us by your spirit to lead us in to an understanding of what life is really all about. God, would you grant us the grace to be present here in this moment with you. God, we ask that you would awaken us by your Holy Spirit to, to life and to the real reason why Christmas is so celebrated across the world. And it's not just so we can go and buy a perfect present for a loved one. It's because you, the one who loved us, gave us the greatest present ever to be given, our salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. May we know that more deeply. May we rest our mind and our hearts on that in this season in particular. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would turn in your Bibles or on your Bible app to Luke chapter 2, we're going to be in the second half of Luke chapter 2, beginning in verses 22, which is a little bit of an unusual part of the story, but that's where we're going to be today. So turn there, and I'm going to set a little bit of the context so we know where we are in the story. We may think we have it bad today, but the nation of Israel probably has a good argument that they had it worse they lived in a defeated nation under the rule of a Roman Empire. It was a harsh day to live in. It was a time of war and brutality. It had been under a thousand years, or over rather, a thousand years since Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were called out as God's people. And they had been invaded by different nations time and time again. They, they, they turned away from God and to themselves and to idolatry. And God allowed nations to conquer them. They were conquered by the Assyrians, the Babylonians, as we learned about in Daniel. And then massive empires 
Greeks and Romans. And so there have been generations that have gone by in anticipation of God fulfilling his promise to bring a Messiah. He had made a covenant based on his character that he would make a way for mankind to be redeemed. And for thousands of years, the nation of Israel, who were God's chosen people, were looking for that Messiah. They were waiting for him to come. Through all these difficulties, through all these trials, they were waiting for Genesis 12 where God promises Abraham that all the peoples on earth will be blessed through him. And you can imagine after thousands of years and generations, they were waiting and they were saying, God, how long until you send the Messiah? And as we find out, and as we, as we now know, as they find out, and we now know the promised Messiah was born. Jesus was born 2,000 years ago. That's what we celebrate during Christmas. Hope is here. So let's stand together and read from Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 28. We're going to just stand in honor of reading God's word today. It says in verse 22, we, we've, Jesus has been born and Joseph and Mary are learning how to be parents. One of the first things that they do is they, they follow through with what is normal for a child born to them, a boy that was born to them. So when the time came, verse 22, for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, jo Moses Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, pay attention. There was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was the custom of the law and that what was required. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you've promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you've prepared in the sight of all nations, in a, li a light for, a rev uh, for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory for your people Israel. The child's father and mother marvel at what was said about him. They're still figuring it out. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. So the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Then another person in the story, there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years of, uh, after marriage seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was about 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying, coming up to them at the very moment that Simeon was blessing Jesus and thanking God. She gave thanks to God also and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. So Simeon and Anna, I want us to look at their story, in, their part of the story in Jesus' birth. 
some interesting things that happen and that we can draw from in their lives. They were sparks of hope in Israel. Uh, More than that, they they were torches of hope. Their light shined brightly. They were expecting God to come through and do what he had promised. They had waited all their lives. They were elders in their community. They both lived very long lives, and they've seen and experienced many things, both hardship for their people and pain in their own lives. Put yourself in their shoes. Think about the things that they might have been experiencing, the hardships, the difficulties. We know that Anna specifically had been a widow for decades. She was in a position of low social status in that culture. But we know that both Simeon and Anna remained faithfully devoted to God all of their lives. They were ready to see God act in any moment and to do great things. Now notice this, that in Luke's account, neither Simeon nor Anna seemed the least bit surprised or uncertain about the fact that Jesus is the long-promised Messiah. That's an interesting thing, isn't it? They're not surprised. They were waiting. They were looking for this. Almost everyone else in the Christmas story took a little bit of convincing, including Mary and Joseph. Others had an angel appear to them with a heavenly announcement, and it caught them quite off guard. In fact, the angel had to say, fear not. It was that supernatural, that amazing. But Simeon and Anna did not need that same kind of supernatural awakening. They were ready. They were tuned in. They were watching and listening listening and inspecting. They were filled with hope, and that hope made them ready. And my friends, that is what Advent is all about. It is turning our focus to the things that bring true hope into our lives. Not a false hope, not a hope in something that man has contrived to solve a problem, but it's something that God has made to set mankind free. They faithfully served God, Simeon and Anna. They were inspired and fueled by the hope that God was at work. So they made a choice and a decision in their lives. They were going to worship every day. They were going to serve God every day. They were going to serve others, and they were going to take one step faithfully at a time as they waited for God to move. They remained steadfast, so they were not surprised when Jesus came in to the picture. God came, came through, and they probably said, of course he did. That's what he said he would do. My hope is in this season that hope would be restored for you. That confidence that's infused with truth that you can rejoice and celebrate because you know that Jesus came and he promised to come again and set things right. This story shows us some important truths about hope, and this is what I want you to take away from this part of the story, from the message today, some truths about hope. My friends, hope is the fuel of faith. It's the fuel that that says maybe, just maybe. It's that spark in in a cold, dark, discouraging place where you turn the corner and you say, 
maybe God is doing something amazing here. Maybe God is doing an incredible work here. There's a few things that we see here from this story. First of all, in your notes, hope sees into the future. True hope sees into the future. It's not rooted in the past. It's not even rooted in the present. It sees into the future. That is where your true hope lies, knowing the future that God has planned for you and for those around you. No matter how bad your year has been, no matter what kind of problems or struggles you're facing right now, now, no matter what that darkness is, let me encourage you, do not abandon a hope that is rooted in Jesus Christ. Do not turn away from that. Hope is alive even in the deepest pain, in the hopeless of most hopeless circumstances. When God is involved, no situation, no circumstance is ever beyond hope. And it's alive because God is still a part of the picture. His plans are still unfolding in this world. Look at Romans chapter 8. Verses 24 through 26, it says this, In this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Notice what it says there in that verse. Hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? Who hopes for what they already have? Alex, would you mind coming up here for just a second for me? Alex, let's give Alex a nice little hand for being on the spot. I just told, he had no idea. I'm gonna, so Alex has just come back from his first semester at college, right? First semester, right? Yes, sir. And um, what if I were to tell you that I know that it would mean a lot to you to have an extra $100 bill in your pocket this year? What would that be? What would that do inside you? Would that, yeah. would that get you excited? Yes. Would excited. you start to think about what you could do with that? Yeah. Would it put some hope in you? Uh-huh. What if I actually now take out of my pocket a $100 bill? Now what does it start doing for you? Are you getting excited? Yeah. What if I do this and I say, Alex, I, I sanitize this. Would you take this right now for me? Sure. Put your hand on it. Now what is it feeling like? I'm really excited. Okay. That's yours, my friend. Sweet. Thank you. If anybody could use that this year, right? A college student. Go ahead. Thank, Thank you for you. coming up. Yeah. Yeah. So let's just think about what was going on in him right then and there. That's not a real $100 bill. I'm just kidding. Totally fake. I'm kidding. No, it is. It's real. It's real. It's a real deal. <laughs> now, would everybody come forward? Because I've got, no, I'm kidding. That's, that's all I can do for now. Um, but as in his heart, you could see that, like, it, the excitement was growing, right? And once he saw the $100 bill, it even got more. My friends, once he received the $100 bill, now, that hope is gone, but he has possessed what he was hoping for. Friends, our hope comes before our present reality. The hope is there before we know the truth of it. It starts with believing that, that God has something good for us. 
Hope by its very nature exists in uncertainty before it exists in our hearts, in our minds. It exists in doubts even, in in that unclear sense of what is to come. But hope is the willingness and desire to believe beyond what our present circumstances and reality are presenting to us. We have to look into the future. My friends, if you don't have a hope in your future, you have no hope that's worth anything at all. Hope sees into the future. The second truth I believe we see in this story from Simeon and Anna is that hope reminds us God is here. God is here. Friends, with God, there is no uncertainty. God knows your pain, He knows your challenges, He knows your struggles. He was not surprised when a new coronavirus strain entered the global consciousness. When it mutated and and spread, he was not surprised when the economy froze and sunk. He was not surprised when you or a loved one received the terrible diagnosis or a call in the middle of the night or heard the words that broke your heart or shattered your world or left you in confusion and uncertainty, God was not surprised. He was there. And he is there. He sees you. He is Emmanuel, God with us. That is what Advent points us to. God is with us. Jesus born in a manger, lowly, becoming one of us to set us free, to take our sin upon himself. And he offers us that hope today. It's not a carrot dangling out in front of you. It's real hope that you can hold on to because it's rooted in the goodness and the character of God, not in humankind's shiftiness and sinfulness and brokenness. It's rooted in the perfection and the holiness and the goodness of God. And that's why it's true hope. It's hope-filled and fanned within us by God's Spirit. You cannot have and possess that hope unless God's Spirit is within you and working in your heart. And that is a truth today. You don't know that hope if you have not surrendered to Jesus Christ in your life. What that verse tells us or what the verse told us in Romans 8 is even when we feel too weak to carry on, when we feel our grasp slipping on even the ability to try to hope that God's spirit works within us to bring that hope back to life. And he, he leads us into his word and his truths and his promises and reminders of what he's done and what he will do. My friends, we are waiting just as Simeon and Anna, but we're waiting in one of two ways. We're either waiting in anticipation or we're waiting blindly for what we don't know. Which way are you going to be waiting for God to show up in your life? In anticipation, in hope that he's setting things right, or in discouragement and defeat looking at the, the waves and the storm around you? Our God Our Emmanuel, who is with us, has promised his people throughout history and today a message of hope. Let me share with you two verses that will change your life if you believe them and land them in your heart. Jeremiah 29, 11. These are truths for God's people, those who have surrendered to Jesus. He says this, a promise 
to ancient Israel, but I believe is relevant even to us today. I know I have the plans. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. My friends, hope that is rooted in Christ is hope that is rooted in truth. Isaiah 43, 1 and 2, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, speaking to Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, which when we say yes to Jesus, we are grafted into the nation of Israel's promises. He says, do not fear. I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through waters, I will be with you. When you pass through rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego learned that firsthand, didn't they? That's the kind of God that brings true hope. Those are the promises to his people. They're promises of the God of the Bible. Now, can, let me ask you a question. Do you feel that hope rising in you when you read those verses? Do you see the hope that is there as you look at Jesus and who he was and who he is and who he's promised to be? We're not alone even in our loneliest, darkest moments. Christ has come. Our God is with us every step of the way. The third truth we see there from Simeon and Anna's story is that hope helps us discover new strength. How many of you are feeling weary in this season? You don't have to raise your hand. Just asking, do you feel kind of worn down, kind of tired of this pandemic routine? True hope gives us new strength to endure. Paul's description of how hope is forged in the human heart, I think, is beautiful in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. He says this, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Pay attention here. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character what? Hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This hope from God's Spirit, my friends, does not put us to shame. So in the difficulty, in the trial, God is working. Would you turn to someone close by and say, God is at work. He's not going to disappoint us. He's going to give you new strength. He's going to give you the ability to persevere beyond what you even imagine, and he's doing it for the purpose of building up character and strengthen you and hope that does not disappoint. Tom Moore, who is now identified as Captain Sir Tom Moore, since he was knighted by the Queen of England recently, he's a 100-year-old man who single-handedly raised $40 million for the British health care system by walking 100 laps around his garden. Yes, 100 laps 
for his 100 years on planet Earth. What started as a challenge from his son-in-law to donate a dollar per lap, which is a pound in English uh, currency, went viral when his daughter posted the campaign on an online charity site. The news spread so quickly that suddenly he was, uh, as he was uh, starting this walk, that the whole area was following his journey. So he grabbed his walker, yes, literally his walker, wearing a navy blue blazer decorated with his military medals, walking around his garden. He became a national hero and an inspiration to people everywhere. This is what he said when he was interviewed after he was done. He said, the first step was the hardest. After that, I got into the swing of it, and I just kept going. My friends, that first step is the hardest. It's true for many of us, and it's true as it relates to hope. Hope in Christ, that first step is a challenge sometimes, but when we receive the promise of the hope in God's word, we find new strength. When you choose to place your hope in Christ, it's founded and rooted in the truth that God, the creator of this universe, has put to motion. And we can focus on the power of that hope embodied in the birth and life and death and resurrection and return and eternity in Jesus. And when we see that, we find the strength to take that next step. Again, the main idea of the message today, hope can be found in uncertain times when we remember the promises God has fulfilled through his son Christ and the promises he's made to us about our future. That is where true hope, that's where the true hope in Advent is found. So my question for you this morning, what is your next step as it relates to Advent What is the next step of hope for you in this Advent season? I'll acknowledge that as human beings, we want to see the next step. We want to see into the future. We want it so badly that we'll go to great lengths to try to get a handle on it. We want to skip to the end of the story. But my friends, our lives just don't work like that. It's not a privilege that that God has granted humankind to see that far, but he has told us the ultimate end of the story, and that is he is going to make everything right for those who are in Christ Jesus. He is making everything sad come undone. And you and I are invited into that hope through his son, Jesus Christ. We're invited to receive the free gift of life in Jesus. The greatest verse in all the Bible, John 3, 16, you can say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. My friends, God loved and gave. He doesn't ask you to take a bath before he gives you a shower. He asks you to come to him with who you are, sinful and broken. And he says, let me make you clean 
by what I've done for you, for God so loved that he gave. Anyone who chooses to receive that gift has the promise of eternal life. My friends, no matter what's going on in your life, if you are in Christ, you have the promise of redemption at work, and that is a reason for hope in this season. If you've not given your life to Jesus Christ, I want to lead you in a prayer of response. Uh, whether you're online or you're here in person, if you've never given your life to Jesus, I'd like to just offer you some words that you might use to express what God's doing in your heart. So let's pray together right now. With every head bowed, every eye closed, again, just emphasize it's, it's not these words that I might give you to pray to God. It's what's going on in your heart. If God is calling you to put your hope in his son, Jesus Christ, right now, I would encourage you to do it. And you might pray something like this just to God right now where you're sitting or where you're watching from. Jesus, I know that I am sinful. And nothing good that I've ever done will outweigh the bad. I need your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins. And I want to turn away from them right now. I trust you as my Lord, my Savior, and my leader in this moment. With your help, I will follow you for the rest of my life in the friendship and fellowship of your church. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you prayed that today and you're here with us, would you just put your hand up? Let me know. I'd love to pray for you. If you're watching online and you prayed, we'd love to be praying with you and encourage you in your spiritual journey. Uh, let us know by sending us an email or commenting in the comment section, wherever you're watching from. Is there anybody here today you'd like for me to pray for you that God's stirring in your heart? You'd just like for me to know? As we just continue to pray together, in an attitude of prayer, God, I pray for every believer in Christ here today or watching online, God, that you would infuse true hope in this season where we desperately need it. We need to know that you're working good things out of this craziness, out of these things that seem so unreal at times and uncertain. God, we need true hope. Would you make us beacons of hope in our neighborhoods, in our workplace, and in our homes, that people would see the light of Christ in us in this season? And we know that we cannot do it without your spirit empowering us to do so. So we call upon you, God, together as a church family, to all those watching that are in Christ. God, we need your strength. We need that new strength in our lives today. We ask you for it. We pray this in his name, in Jesus' name, amen.